Our loving Father in heaven, we thank you for giving us grace to be among the living today. We know it's not because of our righteousness or our good works or holiness, but it's a privilege and your mercy that you have shown to us. Therefore, we say, Lord, take our lives and let it be consecrated to thee. We pray, Lord, that our lives shall be the simple outworking of your will. We ask, Heavenly Father, that you would, through our devotion now, speak to us, sanctify our souls, give us grace that we may find help to do what you want us to do today. We pray, Father, that you also give us words to speak, that as we speak, we will also bless all who will be listening to us. Help us, Lord, and lift us to heavenly places with your word. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayers, and thank you for answering our prayers. In Jesus' name, amen. Our High Calling, June 25 Helping One Another As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Galatians chapter 6 verse 10 In the Lord's plan, human beings have been made necessary to one another. If all would do their utmost to help those who need their help, their unselfish sympathy and love, what a blessed work might be done. To everyone, God has entrusted talents. These talents we are to use to help one another to walk in the narrow path. In this work, each one is connected with the other, and all are united with Christ. It is by unselfish service that we improve and increase our talents. The members of the Church of God on this earth are as the different parts of a machine, all closely related to one another, and all closely related to and dependent on one great center. There is to be unity in diversity. No member of the Lord's firm can work successfully in independence, detached from the others. All are to use their entrusted capabilities in His service, that each may minister to the perfection of the whole. Each is to work under the supervision of God. By Christ's wonderful union of divinity with humanity, we are assured that even in this world we may be partakers of the divine nature. Christ has pledged himself to cooperate with those to whom he has entrusted talents. He has pledged himself to train us to be his co-laborers. He will help us to follow his example, doing good and refusing to do evil. We are to be consecrated channels through whom the love of Christ flows to those in need of help. Christ sends his light to those who keep the windows of the soul open heavenward. Under the Holy Spirit's influence, 
they work the works of God. He who approaches nearest to obedience to the divine law will be of the most service to God. He who follows Christ, reaching out after his goodness, his compassion, his love for the human family, will be accepted by God as a worker together with him. Such a one will not be content to remain on a low level of spirituality. He will constantly reach higher and higher. Amen. The title of our devotion is Helping One Another. Our key text is taken from the book of Galatians chapter 6 verse 10 which says, As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Here we see that there is a preference that God gives to us telling us that we are to do good to all men but then he specifies clearly that our good should be mostly reserved for those of like faith those who have the household of faith that is those who are connected to true christ who we know that we are on the same journey on the same narrow way believing the same things speaking one thing that we are to help one another in my opinion, I think it would be highly out of place not to do this since we understand our struggles and we understand each other's difficulty. We know we are from the same family, the same nation, which is heaven, and we are going to the same place. It becomes us to understand clearly that when there is a good thing around, we should remember our brothers and sisters first. Not your brother and sister with the blood, but your true brothers and sisters in Christ. Reminds me of the time when Jesus was preaching and his relatives by blood, his siblings and his mother, came to meet him. And of course, what people would think and expect from him was that he would show them more preference because they are his relatives according to the flesh. But Jesus sent a message that day we should tingle in the ears of every true Christian. He sent a message and said, Who are my mother and my brother? And he said, My mother and my brother are those who do the will of God. When he was 12 years old and he was in the temple, three days his parents were looking for him and when they asked him, why have you treated us like this? We have been looking for you for three days now. And he asked them a question, wished you not, do you not know that I'll be about my father's business? Imagine a 12 year old talking, saying that to his father. He was talking to Joseph when he said that. He said to Joseph, do you not know? That I'll be about my father's business. Have you ever given this a thought? What Jesus said to Joseph 
a boy of 12 years old telling his guardian made it clear to him you are my guardian my true father is in heaven and then when he comes to the mother's side he let them let his mother mary know my true mother is not you even though i came out from you my mother and my brother are those that do the will of god as far as jesus is concerned the relation we have with ourselves according to the flesh it has its place it does have its place but it is not above the spiritual relation that we have with himself and with those who are of like faith that have the same relation with him in mark 3 reading from verse 20 to 35 or let me say no rather from verse 31 it says there came then his brethren and his mother and standing without sent unto him calling him and the multitude sat about him and they said unto him behold thy mother and thy brethren without seek for thee and he answered them saying who is my mother or my brethren and he looked round about on them which sat about him and said behold my mother and my brethren for whosoever shall do the will of the of god the same is my brother and my sister and my mother reading the commentary for this on the book desire of ages reading page 325 starting from paragraph 1 it says while jesus was still teaching the people his disciples brought the message that his mother and his brothers were without and desired to see him he knew that he knew what was in their hearts and he answered and said unto them unto him that told him who is my mother and who are my brethren and he stretched forth his hands towards his disciples and said behold my mother and my brethren for whosoever shall do the will of my father which is in heaven the same is my brother and my sister and my mother all who would receive christ by faith were united to him by a tie closer than that of human kinship they would become one with him as he was one with the father as a believer and doer of his words his mother was more nearly and savingly related to him than through her natural relationship his brothers would receive no benefits from their connection with him unless they accepted him as their personal savior what a support christ would have found in his earthly relatives if they had believed in him as one from heaven and had cooperated with him in doing the work of god their unbelief cast a shadow over the earthly life of Jesus. It was a part of the bitterness of the cup of woe which he drained for us. And just by the way, if there's anyone passing through this, you have brothers, you have sisters, you have mothers in those who believe in Christ. It shouldn't be a cause of weeping or trouble or sorrow to you just because of anything you may be passing through in your home where you find out that there is trouble just because you do not believe the same things with your parents and you believe the truth actually the enmity kindled in the human heart against the gospel was keenly felt by the son of god and it was most painful to him in his home for his own heart was full of kindness and love and he appreciated tender regard in the family relation his brothers desired that he should concede to their ideas when such a course would have been utterly out of harmony with his divine mission they looked upon him as in need of their counsel they judged him from their human point of view and thought 
that if he would speak only such things as would be acceptable to the scribes and Pharisees, he would avoid the disagreeable controversy that his words aroused. They thought that he was beside himself in claiming divine authority. By the way, beside yourself means to be mad. So they thought he was mad. Yeah, he was possessed or crazy by claiming divine authority and in placing himself before the rabbis as a reprover of their sins. They knew that the Pharisees were seeking occasion to accuse him and they felt that he had given them sufficient occasion. With their short measuring line, they could not fathom the mission which he came to fulfill and therefore could not sympathize with him in his trials. Their coarse, unappreciative words showed that they had no true perception of his character and did not discern that the divine blended with the human. They often saw him full of grief, but instead of comforting him, their spirit and words only wounded his heart. Uh, end the quote there. We can take it again tomorrow when we talk about sympathy. But what I want us to understand is what is who are your brother, who, who is your mother, who is your sister, those who are of the household of faith, and we are told that we are to do good to them. And as we saw now, Mary, the benefit she got from Jesus was not because she was his mother, but her tie to him was more was closed not because she was the mother, but because she also believed in him and so it is with every other person and she is not higher in his mind than every other human being he told mary then made it clear to the disciples and even to mary your tie with me is not because you gave birth to me or because we have the same flesh those who do my will they are the ones who are my mother very strange that some people still call mary mother of god when jesus has made clear who his mother is are there people today who are still saying Mary is his mother? Even at the cross, he told John, Behold your mother. But as far as Jesus is concerned, Joseph is not his father. Mary is not his mother. His mother, his brother, his sister are those that do the will of God. And that's how it's supposed to be for us too. And based on that, we do good to the household of faith. Now, talking about doing good, we are reading now. We are all connected to the same center, which is Christ Jesus. We have the same purpose, which is to propagate the gospel. But be careful. It is possible for you to have another purpose, and that purpose can be selfishness, self-exaltation. So that when we are all supposed to be doing a work for God, one might have selfish motives in mind, and it will cause a discordant note among all who are trying to do the will of God. I would like to read from the book... uh, Romans, from the book of Romans, reading chapter 12, on how we should do our work. I'll start from verse 4. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and everyone members of another, members one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Amen. Why I've read this now is to tell us how to do the work. 
as much as we are connected with Christ, you can be sure that the devil will always come in to bring discordant notes. Remember that in this connection, we are supposed to use our talents to help one another, to bless one another, to come up to that perfection of Christ. But if we are not doing it the right way, as we just read now, even those who are ruling, do it with diligence. Those who are uh, giving, don't do it with extravagance and show and a desire to be flamboyant and let everybody know what you are doing to make it clear to someone I just gave you, I just helped you, you know, you, I just did something big for you. Do it with simplicity instead. Don't make it something extravagant and hard for you to just give. And even those who are teaching, those who are ministering, those who are prophesying, don't do it in a way just to expose people's uh, flaws or to bring glory to yourself using grammar and going into areas where so you can bring some fame and name for yourself. Nothing wrong in studying Hebrew and Greek. But when you are teaching people, sometimes when you use those things, it looks as though you are trying to bring glory to yourself. There are, there are places where it is necessary to use it, don't get me wrong. But when you do it for no reason, just to show that you are studious and to make the people know we are not on the same level. We are not prophesying and teaching and exhorting in simplicity and in diligence. You are just bringing glory to yourself. And that's why we are told that our labor is to be unselfish. When you are doing something for self, that is selfishness. We are told that our labor is to be an unselfish labor. We read here in our devotion, our high calling, page uh, that should be 182 paragraph 2 in this work each one is connected with the other and all are united with christ it is by unselfish service that we improve and increase our talents so be careful how you do this service to your brother don't be irritated don't be angry don't be impatient when giving when teaching when exhorting when prophesying when ruling do it not as if you are lording against lording God's heritage. Do everything in simplicity. Do everything in diligence. Do everything in cheerfulness. Cheerfulness when you give. Don't 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 frown your face when you are teaching or prophesying or giving. Don't frown your face when you are helping your brother. Help him in cheerfulness. Helping him in, him in simplicity. Don't let it be oh, Let everybody know that oh, I'm the one who gave. Oh, I'm the one who taught them. It's my it's me who did this for this person. He will not be where he is if not for me. I'm the one who taught him. Well, yes, while we are all to be acknowledge and appreciate and help one another, encourage one another, but it doesn't become you who are the one doing the work to bring glory to yourself and by, by pointing to what you did for this person and what you did for that person. While we are trying to help each other, do it in the right way. And the best promise I read from here is that Christ has pledged himself and all who will do this unselfishly, but he will help us to be partakers of the divine nature. Amen. Wonderful promise. By Christ's wonderful union of divinity with humanity, we are assured, assured, that even in this world, we may be partakers of the divine nature. Christ has pledged himself to cooperate with those, not with everyone, but with those to whom he has entrusted talents. He has pledged himself to train us to be his co-laborers, but only if you give yourself over to him he will help us to follow his example doing good and refusing to do evil we are to be consecrated channels through whom the love of christ flows to those in need of help amen are you worried are you thinking oh i don't have the talents to use you have christ has given it to you 
and he has pledged that he will help you that through those talents through those gifts that he will multiply them and bring you up to be a particle of the divine nature so that i and you two of us you and me will do good and refuse to do evil oh how i long to come to that position where i will always choose to do good and resolutely refuse to think evil refuse to speak evil and refuse to do evil and i'm grateful that christ has pledged to help me and also to help you are you not grateful too that he has pledged to help you let us therefore avail ourselves to him that he will give us the help that we need remember that without him you can actually do absolutely nothing so let us give ourselves to him may god help us and lift us up to be partakers of the divine nature is my prayer amen amen so thank god for such words the second paragraph says in the lord's plan human beings have been made necessary to one another if all would do their utmost to help those who need their help their unselfish sympathy and love what a blessed work might be done so you see now it is not just work but a blessed work this is the work god saw cornelius doing and sent a message direct from heaven to him the angel appeared to cornelius while he was at prayer and the centurion heard himself addressed by name he was afraid yet he knew that the messenger had come from god and he said what is it lord the angel answered thy prayers and thine arms are come up before me thy prayers and thine arms are come up before me so that's the testimony god gave concerning cornelius and so the question is what is going up from your own houses is it prayers and arms or is it otherwise gossip and quarrels cornelius influence was a blessing to all with whom he came in contact and in the second account i'll read from the book act of the apostles page 131 this account is on docas so then peter arose and went with them when he was come and they brought him into the upper chamber and all the widows stood by him weeping take note all the widows stood by him weeping and showing the coats and garments which docas made while she was with them in view of the life of service that docas had lived it is little wonder that they mourned that warm tear drops fell upon the inanimate clay the apostle's heart was touched with sympathy as he beheld their sorrow then directing that the weeping friends be sent from the room he knelt he kneeled down and prayed fervently to god to restore docas to life and health turning to the body he said tabita arise and she opened her eyes and when she saw peter she sat up docas had been of great service to the church and god saw fit to bring her back from the land of the enemy that her skill and energy might still be a blessing to others 
and also that by this manifestation of his power the cause of Christ might be strengthened. Amen. So the question now is, where are our Dorcases today? The women of Christ today who are so absorbed in self-service that their wardrobe is breaking apart because of their own coats and garments. You see Dorcas, her ministry was to the widow and they could present what her work was when she was with them and so they mourned and they wept that God saw it fit to bring her back so that she would continue her life of service. In contrast to today's Dockers, modern Dockers, they need all those different colors of clothes and shoes for the show on Facebook and Instagram. What are they teaching? What are you teaching your daughters? What are we teaching our daughters? Those who will be Dockers of tomorrow. When half of the day, their eyes are glued on the phone. Next, instead of preaching the everlasting gospel, spreading the word of life, they are now faithful in spreading every latest comedy or every funny thing that is up. Some instead of using their time to learn something so that they can cause, they can use it to, dis- to serve their master, the master whom they claim to love, Jesus. They are now addicted to pornographies and movies. What is the chaff to the wheat? God is calling for women who will give clean provender, thoroughly winnowed to his church. Why not after service you take your sister, two and two, three and three, go out and visit the aged members of Christ, those who could not come to church, who are missing due to sickness or, or due to age, and give them fresh bread from the pulpit and sing with them. It is a blessed work. Ask yourself, when, when you die or when I die tomorrow, like Dorcas, what is going to be the report? What lessons will the young say they copied from you? He who follows Christ, reaching out after his goodness, his compassion, his love for the human family, will be accepted by God as a worker together with him. He says one thing to walk with God is another thing to walk for him. He's, he will consider them walker together with him, he who follows Christ, reaching out after his goodness, his compassion, his love for the human family. He who approaches nearest to the obedience, he who approaches nearest to obedience to the divine law, will be of the most service to God. You see, that's why if you want to be a fisher of man, as Jesus called his disciples, what this reading here is saying, you must first hang your heart on the hook. He wants your heart before you begin to put your hands in the service. He wants you to live in nearness to the divine law so that you can be of the most service to him. Now hear the account of why God will bypass the ones carrying big Bibles to show himself unto the humble Cornelius who let the Bible carry him wherever he went. See, Cornelius was not yet among the so-called church of his, uh, the churchgoers of his day. I'm reading from the Acts of the Apostles again, 132. It says, The inspired record 
describes him as a devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always, believing in God as the creator of heaven and earth, Cornelius revered him, acknowledged his authority, and sought his counsel in all the affairs of life. He was faithful to Jehovah in his home, in his home life and in his official duties. He had erected the altar of God in his home, for he dared not attempt to carry out his plans or to bear his responsibilities without the help of God. Though Cornelius believed the, the prophecies and was looking for the Messiah to come, he had not a knowledge of the gospel as revealed in the life and death of Christ. He was not a member of the Jewish church and was and would have been looked upon by the rabbis as a heathen and unclean. But the same holy watcher who said of Abraham, I know him, knew Cornelius also. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 10 verse 2, a devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. Now the reading is calling us members of the church to do good to the members of the household of faith. Now you, you go to church, you see the need, you see a brother, you, you have words of counsel, you have physical things that you can use to help him. You see the tie, you know some brothers will wear the tie, go one way and they the shirt is going the other way. You see shirts torn. You have things in your wardrobe breaking all kinds of colors and all kinds of all kinds. But you instead of lending a hand to the brother or to the sister, you talk about it in your heart. You talk about it with people. You disdain them in your in the way you look at them. When it is the ministry that God has placed in the church to help soften your heart to make you like the man you profess to love jesus the reading says in the fifth paragraph see he who follows christ reaching out after his goodness his compassion his love for the human family will be accepted by god as a worker together with him so christ gave us the example see even in the story of the good samaritan he did not stay on the horse, on the beast of burden, to give directions to the man who was lifeless, who, was, who had received a mortal wound, a fatal wound. The man was dying. He could not respond. He was unconscious. And so it is with so many members in the church. They could not respond. It is our duty to come down from the horse and meet them in that state and try to bring them up. In the book temperance because you see that there is all kinds of work in the church this statement is from the book temperance it's a NS effort 126 NS effort should be made in behalf of those who are in bondage of evil habits there is everywhere a work to be done for those who through intemperance have fallen in the midst of churches, religious institutions, and professedly Christian homes, 
many of the youth are choosing the path of to destruction. Through intemperance, habits have been formed that will produce disease in themselves. And through greed to obtain money for sinful indulgence, they fall into dishonest practices. Health and character are ruined, aliens from God, outcasts from society. These poor souls feel that they are without hope, either for this life or for the life to come. The hearts of the parents are broken. Men speak of these erring ones as hopeless, but not so does God regard them. He understands all the circumstances that have made them what they are, and he looks upon them with pity. This is a class that demands help. Never give them occasion to say, no man cares for my soul. So you see that there are people who have left the church that we must seek to save them. See, we must show that we care for their souls. And there's another class here. It says, some of them who were once in the possession of wealth are without home, without friends, in suffering, misery, and disease, and degradation. They have lost their self-control. Unless a helping hand is held out to them, they will sink lower and lower. With these, self-indulgence is not only a moral sin, but a physical disease. So you see that there is work to be done and God is looking for men who will be hands and feet for him. Going out, putting on the, the candle to search even in the church for these people and go out and walk with them. And as you labor with them, showing love and compassion and pity, you are laboring together with Christ. And what a blessed work we've been told it is. May this be our experience as we go to work even today. Amen.